welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Boom. We're rolling. We're rolling. What's up, bro? Everyone knows you when you say anything. That's what's awesome. I don't have to introduce you. Oh, because they hear my voice? Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. I mean, <laughs> it, it, you need to be, they need to do a recording just for haunted houses. <laughs> like that laugh right there. Just a, You're just feeling away a dark hallway and then just that laugh just happens. That sets the pace for the whole freaking haunted house. I like to scare people. Do you really? Like, yeah, I've done some real evil stuff with my family, with my wife, with my kids, you know, <laughs> like just really. What? Just, just you know, completely, like I'll, I'll know my daughters watched something scary on TV when they were little and then... You know, I just—I'd have a mask. I have a mask in my in my drawer, and I just put it on and start making little noises outside. They don't think we're home, and you know, scratch, scratching at one window or whatever, and then just keep keep doing that. Gosh, probably the worst thing I ever did was this wasn't really that kind of scaring, but we my my house, my first house when I got to San Diego, we had you know an upstairs, and um. And we had two bedrooms upstairs, you know, my bedroom. And then, you know, for my, I had a little daughter at the time. She was like maybe, I don't know, a year, a year old, maybe a little less, but she could crawl. Right. And so we had to put one of those gates at the top. Yeah. And my wife kept leaving that gate open. Right. When my little daughter would be crawling around. (laughs) No. And so we, we were up there. Um, we were up there. We got a little mover. Ooh, yeah. We got a. We got a deer coming down. We're on a we're on a back deck in Big Sky, and we've got a mule deer right by four the yards in front of the block target. Yeah, which is a dangerous place. <laughs> it's the wrong time of year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, my my so my daughter my wife went down to do something downstairs, like grab something from the kitchen. And she left that gate open, and I saw that the gate was open. So I I walked to my closet and I grabbed a, an old jungle boot. <laughs> and I just rolled it down the stairs, and it hit the wall. I'm serious. By the time my wife was at the bottom of the stairs in about 0. 0.4 seconds, and she was already crying. Bro, I had a, I had a hard time getting out of that one. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Dang. I was, if, not only that, she was coming in about 0. 0.4 seconds, she was coming around the corner, and in about 0. 0.42 seconds, I was trying to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought it would be funny. I know I'm not cool. <laughs> oh, man. I think you got to tell the story. We're Well, w- just to set the tone, we've been up here shooting the Total Archery Challenge, and both of us, and our families really and josh uh we've just we had such an awesome time last year we all locked these dates in so we've been talking about it for a year yeah so we've really been looking forward to it and we wanted to we kind of all took part in planning something and the food was my plan so i got enough food sent up here to freaking 
kill most families <laughs> but we've we've done a good job of just devouring this unreal meals yeah and then you told the story about you and thor like back when when you guys went to that surf competition you barely had oh, any money yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you gotta tell that it's so funny so uh you know my son was surfing in a contest up in malibu and i think well malibu california is a really really expensive place to be it's got one of the most iconic surf waves in the world there's a lot of movie stars and real rich people that live up there you you see as many you know high-end whatever ferraris and lamborghinis you you kind of see they're they're almost they're, they're commonplace up there bentley's and rolls royces so it's kind of crazy but they have a surf contest up there and or they have a few surf contests up there my son's a good surfer this was when he was probably about 10 or 11 years old and so we would go up there and i was you know in the navy and i didn't have any money and i had but i had an rv that we would go to surf contests in and it was an old piece of junk (laughs) and at that malibu surf contest when they have the contest the cops kind of just let the surfers do whatever it's it's kind of it's they're cool i shouldn't say do whatever but they're cool they give you basically you get one parking ticket the first day and then you just leave it on your car for the next five days that you stay there Mm -hmm. so that's what we were doing and you know when my son wasn't surfing in the contest so we go up there on wednesday and then you surf we'd surf thursday friday and then on saturday and sunday they have the contest so on friday you know we're surfing and we get done surfing and and i say hey let's go to this place there's there's a restaurant called nobu which is a super expensive restaurant and this one is in malibu and it's on the water and it's it's just totally multiplier multiplier yeah multiplier 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 (laughs) but i know that there's going to be rad cars there right and uh, you know he's 11 years old and an opportunity to go look at ferraris and lamborghinis and mclarens and whatever else you know just high-end badass cars so we jump on our beach cruiser bikes you know my my bike's just this just a rusty piece of junk and so is his actually (laughs) and he my son is like a kid he kind of looks like he's been raised by a pack of wolves you know he's just sort of a feral looking (laughs) kid he surfs and he doesn't you know he's 11 he's not into like hygiene or anything (laughs) and not to mention we're staying up at this place in an rv on the beach so he's all sunburned i'm all sunburned we just look like a couple bums basically so we bike down there and we're cruising through the parking lot looking at cars and the bouncer slash valet dude there's three or four of them in there and you know they're they're dressed nice and they're you know parking ferraris and stuff so they got a job to do but the guy comes out you know we're looking at all the cars and and the dude comes out and he's like hey you guys are gonna have to get out of here you know and i'm just hey man cool yep just said hey come on kid we gotta go this, we're not allowed around these parts, you know, because we're savages. <laughs> <laughs> so he kicked us out of the parking lot, and we go back to the RV and eat some ham sandwiches or whatever. <laughs> and then, so he surfed. I think I think he surfed the next day, and his part of the competition was done on Saturday. And he did good in the contest. I forget what he got, but he did good. And he goes, hey, Dad, can we go to that restaurant? And I'm, I said, what do you mean? He says, that restaurant where those cars are, can we go there? And I knew it was a ton of money, and I looked at my wallet. I had like a hundred bucks, and I had known I'd been to a UFC fight in Vegas, and I forget who I was. I was with like friends that 
were some sponsor or whatever. Someone was paying for dinner, and so I had gone to a Nobu in Vegas. Yeah, and I remembered that there was a ribeye that was forty bucks, and I said, "Okay, I got a hundred bucks. We can roll it hot." And this, so I made him call up, and that ribeye is part of the appetizer meal. It's too. so small. Yeah. it's actually an embarrassment to America that they serve. <laughs> that so, but you know, the kid wanted it, so we roll in there. And we rolled down there on our bikes, and we're, again, looking like a couple bums. And, the, you know, one of the uh, valet dude comes out again. He goes, hey, man, you, you got to get out of here. And I just said, hey, we're, 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 we're eating here. <laughs> and he was kind of surprised. And we locked up our bikes next to a Ferrari, walked inside, and spent 80 bucks on a couple tiny, minuscule ribeyes. And then after that, we were heading home and there's a jack-in-the-box and my son was starving so we went to jack-in-the-box <laughs> with the 20 bucks left. yeah with the 20 bucks left over which mathematically means which mathematically means whoever was was waiting at that they got, time they got no tip <laughs> and you know what it's not it wasn't even a big deal because as soon as i walked in there the hostess looked at me and everyone knew they weren't getting a tip from this this bum so that was trying to take his starving kid out for dinner <laughs> i love those jocko stories those are my favorites we've laughed so hard up here yeah there's been some moments man i don't know if you save them all year <laughs> well, i thought it was funny talking about the fact that you bring people into archery just so you have people to laugh at while you're out shooting because once people get decent and you're hitting targets it's look it's it's still awesome but it's not as funny <laughs> it's not as funny as when someone's shanking trees and, and just just launching arrows all over the place i mean that's actually the moment that you're waiting for right and so the, like hitting foam is great but it's definitely funnier when you got someone in there. I mean, even when we're walking and we hear another group somewhere just crack around <laughs> out into the trees, this is funny. Yeah, you and I, it doesn't matter what's going on. As soon as we hear that, like, ding, 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 bam. Like, we both just kind of <laughs> turn whichever direction and just be like, oh, yeah, got somebody. That's a good sound when, you're, when you build a range. That's really what you want. Oh, that tree by the two trees that were 12 inches apart. I can't believe that. I mean. I, I Legitimately, I don't think that tree on the right is going to make it through the day. <laughs> Not today. It, it won't. The day. No. It looks like someone, like, brushed it, brushed by it with either, like, a a bush hog yeah <laughs> or someone got like a uh, a jungle machete for christmas and just went out for like 30 minutes to see what, what it would do to a tree yeah yeah that that was a crazy shot and somehow i ended up being the last guy to shoot it the when we hit it each time which was horrible because everyone else made it so it's just massive pressure to try to <laughs> today's the last day and i honestly feel like well, I feel thankful I don't have to shoot about four or five of those shots again because I feel like I made it out. I definitely felt that way. And like I said, when I went and looked at the ballistics of that thing, it looked like maybe I just miracled through one of those trees because it was, it was you, you guys shot a tight group and mine was about six inches up and maybe three inches over. And I was looking at it going, man, this is a miracle shot that I, even, <laughs> that I didn't just t-bone that tree well i told you had shot an arrow that was questionable for how straight it was uh 
and I go grab that one in your quiver that might be bent and it could have just wiggled and waggled at the exact moment to freaking clear that sucker (laughs) (laughs) either either way like we'll take it for sure yeah no doubt but it's been a blast because we've had so many of our friends up here uh yesterday we went out with josh hall and uh well helen didn't go uh yesterday we took all of our families up uh three days ago but yesterday we had Jack Carr, yep. and he showed up so unprepared <laughs> that it that immediately, like I knew I was going to have plenty to to heckle on for the entire day. So I just I rode him hard the whole time about every every time he was missing or doing whatever he was doing. It was like all my borrowed gear that he was destroying, and <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun, but. Somehow or another, he freaking managed to do enough stuff wrong to, like, make it through that freaking course. Yeah, no, he tightened it up, and, you know, you were you were looking some of the earlier shots. He took a little little easier shots on those, and you just watched him and tightened him up on a couple things. And Yeah. You know, I mean, look, you got a guy like that that was a sniper, and he's going to – he's he's got the – you have the, the – awareness Mm -hmm. to realize okay yeah when when you give him a coaching point he can apply it pretty quickly it doesn't take this massive amount of uh thought for him to go oh yeah my sight picture oh yeah i'm gorilla grip in the front or whatever mistake he's making yeah he doesn't even have to think about it he just immediately does it he was never did you notice he was never nervous or anything like well i think part of that was because he rolled out there just with very he set very low expectations with everybody <laughs> which is a good move right? yeah yeah he said, hey you know i haven't been shooting uh this isn't my bow i just pulled it out of the box i don't even have any tips i you know you guys are gonna i'm gonna take easy shot you know he just set a really low expectation yeah. so if you were to release yeah borrowed a release if he <laughs> went out there and just shot trees we would all been we wouldn't have fought any different you yeah know? we would have laughed like, yeah, cool whatever yeah, yeah we would have loved it so he set low expectations no pressure and he nailed some really tough shots he beat us on a few well he definitely beat us on the freaking what was that a woodchuck oh that's right yeah yeah there's a woodchuck at 51 or something what was crazy and that showed you that the day before when you josh and i all hit that woodchuck i mean just one two three that's that's an impressive feat (laughs) (laughs) because yesterday morning we weren't uh I think I was mentally yesterday, I almost just didn't care. I mean, I was out there to have fun, and I honestly, like, wanted to hear some shrapnel. Well, I'll tell you, I, what I noticed, and somebody was actually, actually asking me about this, when you, you can be in a total, um, whatever you're doing, but when you pull a bow, pull an arrow out of your quiver, spin it in your hand, look at it, and you knock that thing up, you're, like, you just shift into this archer mode that it's the same every time. And, you know, just the look on your face, everything just goes into this mode like a robot, man. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. I've never noticed. Oh, that's really surprising. Well, I guess you would notice it. You would not notice it because you're 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 doing it, you know. But, yeah, when you're, you know, even when you're, even when you're talking, You'll be like talking, and unless you're talking for a video, which I've seen you talk through a video, yep. that's the only time you're a little bit different because now you're explaining something. But when you're just taking a shot, it's like a robot. You, as soon as you pull that, as soon as you knock that arrow, 
you're in robot mode and you just look like a robot that's doing mechanics <laughs> and and you know that's why you freaking nail it you know it is awesome it's awesome coming out here and just the crew we have someone rolled up to me this morning on my way here and said something about um said something like hey my brother does this or that and and Peter Atia's team talked to him about coming on their podcast uh, yesterday, and he kind of called me to tell me that, and he was all pumped. And then I told him, like, I sent him the picture of me and you at the booth, and and he just was like, no way. And he just said, man, your guys' like, circle and how like everybody somehow connects is, is crazy. And we were talking about that too. It really is. I tried to get Peter to come up, but he's got a bunch of stuff going on right now, and he just couldn't make it. I was like, hey, just come up for one day, you know? Even if you just come up for one day and shoot the course one time, the amount that you learn on that course, you know? I don't want him to. <laughs> the amount that he would start thinking about, like, he'd be texting me going, hey, I was thinking about that. Hey, I was thinking about that link, 17. That, <laughs> that link shot, and, you know, it, yeah, he would – he would go so deep. Yeah. When you're when you're that smart and you're that analytical, <laughs> courses that have this many variables to them could be dangerous for your mind. Like yeah, he might not be able to do anything else in his life. You know, <laughs> just brain's just gonna like keep running like a hard drive that won't like power down, and just the fan's gonna go on and just. <laughs> try to cool that thing off he needs to quit the other things that, the other meaningless things that he's doing in his life like being a doctor yeah yeah he should back <laughs> off on that stuff that just takes up way too much meaningless time <laughs> do you uh when you're looking at these shots when you're setting them up are you thinking about certain technical things that you want to get people with yeah yeah and i also want to get my like i know that i'm going to be shooting them so i want to challenge myself with things that I can't practice at home because I'm I know that I need certain things sharp for hunting and I can't like hone them in in Iowa certain things so that's why there's a lot of side hill stuff there's a lot of the tight lane stuff you can do but there's a lot of side hill stuff there's a lot of like target deception so smaller targets next to bigger objects so that they look smaller or you know if you put a certain target in a narrower lane it'll look smaller because it just kind of gives you that tunnel vision down so like that caribou oh yeah what was up with that thing what illusion was that because when you got to that thing you're looking at it look like a rat yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah the thing is just and there wasn't that many holes in it it's just to look at it and think because of the way it was and it was over the tops like i wanted to be shooting down which that target had several things that could really jack people up one just shooting down you, there was about a two yard cut on that so if they didn't have any you know if they didn't subtract yardage because of the angle then they were going to shoot over it and the mini caribou is probably 14 inches tall maybe and then all the treetops like leading up to it it looked like it was 20 to 30 yards further than it really was it was a it was a hard shot but honestly 
it, you know, if you can hit a 14-inch block at, was it 80 yards, right at 79 yards? Yeah. It was either it was. 70 or 80. I think it was 70. Yeah, it was, it was 69.5. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was 70. Um, but it was 72 without the cut, and then with the cut it was right at 70 or just shy of 70. So, I mean, up here on this course, that's that's an average shot. But it looked like one of the ones where you knew you're rolling to triple digits. <laughs> well, I had a couple guys talk to me yesterday, and they said, you know, hey, you know, I, I thought like, – it was going to be a little bit of a relaxed situation and the first shot out of the game. Where did was, they read that I at? Know. I don't know. <laughs> but they, or maybe it was just in their own minds they thought that because he said he rolled up and the first shot is 84 yards out of the gate. That's shot number one. You're just going deep. Yeah, on a, it, on it a white ramp. <laughs> but what's amazing is you and Josh, um, I mean, really have only been shooting – a couple years combined, you know, if you combine both of your times, because Josh is Josh shot. Has it been a year and a half about for Josh? He's ahead of me, uh, I think. And you know, I'm kind of weird because that first year I was really I, I was injured for a big chunk of the first year. Yeah, I don't so, really count your stuff until really this time last year. Yeah. In my head, me like, too. And it was probably, I mean, it was probably about two months before I came to the first tack that I started was able to start shooting regularly and so yeah so it's probably 14 months for me right now yeah i mean 14 months and for you to well the first day we started out everybody a little close just to talk through things and like get through nerves and make sure everybody's left and rights and everything and i kind of wanted to make sure no one's had equipment issues too and then then we just like by halfway through the range i'm like okay let's open this up and then the day after that when we shot and we went up and like legitimately shot everything from the stakes i mean you guys were freaking you guys were doing awesome because we were shooting with the black rifle guys that's right yeah and so everybody like just went no one was willing to step up from a stake everybody was like okay we're gonna go after it and honestly with evan logan and trevor and then us three there weren't i mean People were hitting targets in the 90 percentile for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's what made me notice the fact that you weren't laughing as much because there, <laughs> there weren't just arrows <laughs> hitting rocks and T-boning trees all over the place. So we Actually, we do need to get Peter up here because we could – we can watch it, him implode <laughs> up here on some of this stuff. <laughs> That'd be evil. But, you know, that's one of the things that I, I did do. And, you know, you had you had told Peter, I think you went to Peter, to Peter's house, and you were watching him kind of train, and he was shooting, you know, high angle, low angle, like across the yard you know, while running, Trying to shoot through the fence. Trying to shoot through the fence, doing, just doing a bunch of kind of tough shots, but... And you told him, hey, man, shoot, you know, whatever, 30 yards and just nail it, nail it, nail it, nail it, nail it. So you really have, you know, your technique down and you know where you're hitting. And then if you want to open it up, cool. But when you're trying to make adjustments while you're taking wild shots. And so that's what I did 
once you, and then you told me that you said, Hey, take like consistent shots. That's the most important thing yeah. is consistent shots, consistent shots, consistent shots. That should be your focus. It's cool to do some other stuff, but your focus is consistent shots. And that's what I did. You know, at my house, I've got 27 yards that I can just walk outside and, and track. And so I do that and then I can, so I do, you know, whatever, 25 of those, maybe 30 of those a day. And I usually finish out by going and getting out to 42 yards. And I just, I just maybe do two five round shots from um, there. Yeah. But that's just sort of my standard. And that was cool. And, and even when you said, when we started off up here, you know, I had PTSD from last year, you know, I was <laughs> just, just nervous and thinking, you know, last year was really hard and that this year you know the first shot we you know we walked in took the first shot you know we with our our wives and stuff and took the first shot a little closer and i said to myself that was a lot easier than i remembered (laughs) and then the next one you know we went a little bit further but still i was thinking okay this is this is a lot easier than i remember and then it just like you said we once we got in the groove and, you know, I walked up to one target, I looked at that thing, and it was, you know, 74 or whatever, and I said, I'll nail that thing right now. Yeah. And then, you know, we just started schwacking them, so. And you did. Like, I'm looking, I just opened the, so the range that we built, shot one was 83, 60, then 69.5, 70, 54, 64, 53, 59, 60, 99, and this is with the cut, according to my notes. 33, 66, 83, 5, 98, 78, 49, 5, 56, 40.5, 35, 51, 72, 70, 80, 73, 82, 114. (laughs) That's like what I actually shot it with. So um, I would say at least a third of those were on an incline or a decline where you were cutting... The further the biggest cut I think I had here was about four and a half yards. Well, and those ranges too. Any of those ranges that are between fit anything fifty and under, or fifty five and under. Actually, the two trees, the two narrow trees. I think that was fifty five. So anything that was fifty five or thirty nine, it's because you were shooting through a freaking you know window like a twelve by twelve window. Uh, those are psycho targets. Yeah, yeah. Or or that links up the hit yeah. like straight up the hill, or that rock chuck just sitting on a literally on a pedestal. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and you're on you're on a cat trail shooting down into this clear cut with that rock chuck up on a pedestal so when you miss left or right it's not that pleasurable because you just don't hear anything because <laughs> your arrow just like Gone. gets down to the valley it's down somewhere in lower big sky yeah the first time i drew on that tree target I was I was watching my pin and it was going from tree to tree just back and forth. It wasn't even it was just back and forth. That's why I drew down. It was just so mental. And I was you know they say when you're you when you're driving like a race car if you if you look at you know the if you look at the ditch that's where you're going. Yeah. So I think it was one of those things. I was looking at those trees and I was just seeing my pins just bounce from tree to tree. Yeah. Yeah. And I that was some of the lessons I was trying to give everybody that we were shooting with is like on this target you know don't focus on anything between here and the target you know when you rate like look at the target with your binoculars find where you want to hit 
range it, confirm your thing on your site, go through your process, and as soon as you draw back, the only thing you should be looking at is that point of aim that you had picked with your binos and just stare a hole through that. Don't look around. That was a lesson that I actually learned from my grandfather. I don't even know how young I was, but I was really young. And he turned me loose on a tractor to mow a pasture. And, like, I could tell by about my 10th pass, you know, it looked like a freaking snake had <laughs> gone through. You know, it was just, like, the worst thing. And my 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 grandpa came out and said, when you're mowing the grass, he goes, don't try to just follow your other tire tracks. He's like, as soon as you make a pass, look at something at the far end of the field, pick a tree. And he said, just put the muffler on that and just keep it on that and your lines will always be straight. So that, and that's what I was, that's kind of what I did was is like, okay, focus on that far thing and, you know, just like don't let anything in between here and there be a distraction. And then you just like get to that goal and then you turn around and, you know, pick another one that's, they're all obtainable. It's not like you're picking something that's, you know, out of the field. You're just kind of picking goals within your within your work range, and then, you know, you just knock that one down, knock that one down, and then you just find that you're always in a straight path rather than getting distracted and, can't you know, having, having just constant looking left, looking right, because, yeah, you without wanting to do it you swerve that way you don't even have to think about it yeah subconsciously if you're looking at a freaking tree <laughs> you're gonna hit that tree. yeah mm-hmm. you're just you're just gonna drift over there but it, the the going through the course is what you get out of these things is so awesome because then when you take a closer shot you know it's just seems so easy you know the target seems so huge and it seems like the the window is so giant yeah it's 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 it proves that when you you know you need to train at a harder level that's what i was just thinking you got to train at a harder level than what you are going to experience in real life and that's you know when i was in the teams and we ran training that's exactly what we did we wanted the guys to face a tougher enemy than they would ever face on the battlefield and so that's what we did you know like you're gonna fight you know in seal training not not like basic training, but in advanced SEAL training, you're fighting other SEALs that know all your tactics. They know exactly what you're going to do. They even know your plan. So it's just as unfair a fight in the advantages towards the the opposing four SEALs, like the bad guys. The advantage is on their side. They have all the advantages, and that's who we that's that's who you have to fight in the SEAL teams, and that's what makes you good because you're never going to face a an enemy on the battlefield that's better than the the enemies that you're going to face in training. How? Like, what's the success rate? It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, let me rephrase that. When a normal SEAL platoon starts a training block, depending on the level of experience and, more important, depending on the level of experience of the leadership and and how good the leadership is, if the leadership is good, they'll do pretty well right away. If the leadership is not good or not even that they're not good, but... It's just you have to learn, you know. It's experience. It's it's experience, but it's it's not just experience. It's knowledge, right? Even if you gave someone a bow and arrow, but you didn't teach them anything, like they might be able to hit a target, but they wouldn't be able to dial it in, you know. Well, it's the same thing. You know, you have to teach them things. You know, yeah. you're not born knowing how to do stuff. This just doesn't happen. And it's the same thing with 
combat leadership. You don't, you're not born knowing how to do things. You, someone has to tell you, Hey man, when you see this, you need to let it develop a little bit. Then you need to assess what you're going to do. Then here's what your options are going to be. And then once you figure out what those options are, you need to figure out what the best one. And by the way, you got to do all that in about three seconds. (laughs) So, but when we first would start, you know, three or four, maybe five opposing for the word is op for that's what we call the bad guys are called op for opposing force. Mm -hmm. So like my seals at my training command would be the opposing force. They'd be the op for. So the op for maybe we would have four or five guys, four or five op for guys on a target. And then they would get assaulted by 40 seals. And if there's bad leadership, the four, the four or five op for guys would destroy the, the 40 man element of seals. And then as the task unit or the the group of SEALs, the task unit of SEALs, the troop of SEALs got better and the leadership got better, then they would start to even out. And then eventually, once the the troop of SEALs was really good, our op four wouldn't stand a chance. You know, they they wouldn't be able, they would try and maneuver and the guys would be waiting for them and outflanked by them. and, and, And it wouldn't be like a, it's not like 40 against 40. Yeah. You know, because then... It's a war of attrition, and that's a different, a whole different thing. Right? Yeah, oh yeah. If there's a war of attrition about to happen, well, we're going to call for fire support. We're going to leave because I don't want to be in a fair fight with the enemy. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not looking to go. You know, it's not. I, th- I used to tell my guys, it's not like soccer where you only get 11 guys per side. Yeah, and that's what you get. And like, no, I don't want to be in a fight 11 on 11. I want to be a fight of 50 on three. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I want. So, and we would actually teach them. You know, if you see, if you think you're going to get you know into a situation where it's going to be in a fair fight with the enemy don't enter it why would you get into a fair fight we don't want to be in a fair fight yeah yeah that's but by the end to your question by the end the seals would just be able to destroy the op four and there would be you know there's really nothing you could do about it because they would yeah. know how to maneuver know what's going to happen know how to flank um, know how to cover move just sheer outnumbered could simple plans, prioritize and execute, decentralize command. People would make things happen. You know, like in my task unit, we'd there'd be th- there things would happen, and I wouldn't even know about it because my guys would be handling it. You know, like they might tell me like, "Hey, we got a guy's element. To do. Hey, we got two guys moving that building over there, taking out a bad guy." I was like, "Okay, cool." Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be like, "What's happening? Oh my god, what do we need to do? Hey, Jocko, what do we need to?" Do? I didn't need to. They they knew what to do. Yeah, yeah, and the basic principle of training that way for anything so that when you actually are in your moment of having to produce it you want to coast mm-hmm. like that's what i want as a hunter too i want to you know you said be robotic i would be totally cool if my hunting i want to experience like excitement mm-hmm. during my hunts but when it comes to actually making that shot on something i'm totally down if i'm to the point where i'm where it's just robotic and then Honestly, then all your training is rewarded by, you know, a success with, with like a perfect execution. And it's the same way, it's the same way with working out, you know, even this mountain, I told you yesterday when we got back, I said, you know, I think it's right at five miles, wasn't it? Yeah, From start to finish. Something like that. Okay. Well, the first day we did it, there's kind of a a pretty steep incline continual incline to get out of that course you've got a long walk and it's uphill 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 which for me i know that i'm gonna have that 
elk hunting mm-hmm. every day. You know, if I go down, I'm going to have to go back up, you know, or I'm going to go up so I can work down. It's just, you know, one of those two things or two of those two things are going to happen every day unless I'm planning on spending the night on one direction or the other. But yesterday when we came out, I really wanted to make it a point to to like not rest that whole way down from the peak all the way down. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we finish the course, I'm like, just unless Sharon says like, Hey, you're leaving me back here. You know, I wanted to make sure I had improved from three days ago to where I could do that hike. And it, you know, in three weeks time, when I start doing Western hunts, I'm going to be in shape for it. So it's, uh, I don't know. I do that. I worked out really hard before these tack events. I was like really adamant in my gym because I also knew once I came here, I don't lift hard on the road just because I can't like risk pulling something weird. And the other thing too is I do shoot a lot better when I'm just like loose. Mm -hmm. So I know at stuff like this, especially where there's people, it'd be one thing if it was myself hunting, I work out and Normally, the first few days I get to the event, I'll work out outside my trailer. But otherwise, if it's like performance time, I just stay loose, stay flexible, and just do it. But I train all the way up into that day to where those days are easy. You know, it's you don't want to procrastinate that. There's nothing worse. Yeah, and there's, I mean, as far as working out while you're doing something like this, I mean, this is what you're this is what you worked out for, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, even me while I've been here, there's like one day, the earliest day we shot, like all I did was wake up in the morning and just stretch out, do a little bit of kettlebells just to like get a little bit of blood flowing. And, be, and like you said, be loose. I wasn't working out to get stronger. I was just working out to be ready for the day. Yeah. Cause I, I will say this, even when I work out, like the first time I draw an arrow back almost every single day, the very first draw and maybe the second one, I always feel a little bit tight, you know? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. it's just, just, just the way it is, you know, it's just, just, you're just cold or whatever. And I, I do a lot of shooting from sitting there like on at a desk or sitting in my house, reading something or writing something. And then I just go shoot. So I'm completely going from cold, but you, have you ever heard the term cold bore shot? Yeah, you it's, kind of fire one to 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 kind of warm up the chamber, right? So with so with snipers, they you know you have to check your ballistics and you have to dial in your ballistics for your first shot. Yeah, because in a real sniper mission, depending on the type of mission, your first shot may be the only shot that you take, and it's got to be like a kill shot. Yeah. So a cold bore shot is what you do when you. That's what I think. That's why I take those cold bore shots even when I'm. I, I don't. I I specifically go out. I don't say oh, I'm just going to shoot a couple to get warmed up. I go out and I go. This is my first shot. This is like my hunting shot. This yeah. is the shot that I'm going to take. And I'm cold, and it's going to feel weird to draw back. And I I need to just be ready for that. So I always pay attention to the first shot, just like a sniper would, because that first shot is the one that's going to count. I tell that to people too a lot, especially new people who are shooting, um, and you can tell they've never really used archery muscles and that it is different like big you know people like echo charles i've seen guys that big struggle to pull a bow back because it's just coordination of muscle it's not sheer strength it's just coordination of muscle and i tell those types of people who are starting for the first time don't go out and shoot like big groups because 
you start to wear yourself out by the third or fourth pull. And I told this to Sharon um, because Sharon hadn't got to practice a lot before we came here. And I said, just remember, you're only shooting one arrow, and then we're all going to go pull. We're all going to go to the next target. And then you're only really shooting one arrow again. So it's almost like cold bore training Mm -hmm. is – it's not more relevant, but it's a hundred percent as relevant as having the stamina to shoot all day. So a lot of times when people say, well, how many arrows did you shoot today? My number might not be high because there's times where I shoot one arrow at 20, one at 80, and then I pull them and I walk back and I just want to get in the habit of confirming yardage, moving my dial, remembering to move my dial shooting once moving my dial shooting again and i like training where you you know you feel different shooting at 20 yards just because of you know your sights higher on the rail how you anchor and how you're looking through that peep versus when it gets way down there your anchor kind of feels like it's floating a little bit more because you're trying to look at that sight you know closer to your arrow essentially and i like training that way where it's just like practice a short shot practice a long shot pull and come back and i do a lot of a lot of stuff like that if i'm just gonna sit there and make repetitions honestly a lot of times it's at a like a super close distance or with no target on like no target face on there at all just working with all i want to do is you know get to the point where i can shoot 150 arrows a day that are serious if i need to but i'm not necessarily focusing on the the aiming and kind of, I don't know, because it's hard not to mentally judge yourself too when you're shooting groups all the time. So I think it's good for me because there's times where I can't practice like I want to. So by me not kind of judging myself according to groups, I'm just being happy with shot execution, not necessarily performance downrange. And I think the performance downrange comes with the execution anyway you know that's like i told you i like to be i like to be relaxed when i'm shooting and whenever i carry tension into shooting it's problematic regardless so i just try to give myself i don't know i train for different purposes and i think that's something that you have to do but people who are new to archery don't be afraid to shoot you know one or two arrows and go pull them you know, that's that's one of the things that I think kind of hindered Peter's progress was they were having so many variables that I I was having a really hard time being able to tell him what his baseline is or not. You know, I guess more importantly, even knowing where his baseline is to know where to start to talk to him, because if one shot you're anchoring and looking at your pin that's up at the top of your rail and then the next shot it's at the bottom of the rail and you're shooting through a fence and i'm thinking like mentally is he worried about shooting through the slats of this fence or it's just like you can't change too many variables at one time or you never really understand your baseline and if you don't know your baseline then it's hard to progress at anything or at least know if you are so i just really limit variables whenever i train it's like I'm working on just this today and I'm totally cool with that. The other stuff will fall into place at some point when I need to put it all together. But right now it's just very specific, you know? Yeah. You, you coached me up on a couple things. Uh, one was, you know, I, I, I text you said, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm hitting, 
I'm hitting left, and you said you're probably gorilla gripping, which is a pretty fair assessment <laughs> <laughs> to look at me and think maybe, just maybe, I'm gorilla gripping. <laughs> and you said you got to relax your front hand. You didn't even see me. You know, you didn't. I didn't even send you a video. I just said, "Hey, man, I'm hitting left," and you just said you're probably gorilla gripping. You idiot. <laughs> and I went out the next day, and, and you know, I was like, "Oh, well, there, you're right." And I just had to really relax that front hand. And, you know, it's funny because Sharon was saying the same thing. You know, when you pull, you know, for her, she's, it's hard for her to pull. And so she's gorilla gripping and then trying to relax after you've gorilla gripped is is a, a mental note that you have to have. Yeah. And I'm sure I was doing that too, just like ripping back and all tense and wanting to hit that thing. And, and that was the other big, you know, probably the biggest takeaway for me on this trip was, you know, the harder the shot, the more tense you can get mm-hmm. if you allow yourself to get all freaked out and tense and when you have a tough shot what you need to do is just relax and let the process do you know follow the steps do the process let the process do it and you know you said this to me you're like hey after your shot goes you have a look on your face of like hope right <laughs> and <laughs> i didn't say that but i wish i did i, I think i like mimicked the look yeah because yeah as soon as your release breaks with like a surprise release there's this instant like blank kind of like someone putting their hand next to their ear and just like waiting for like a coin to like hit the bottom of the well <laughs> yeah and that's 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 true. Like I feel that when, cause it is a surprise break for me, you know, yeah. it, it is a surprise and you know, sometimes it goes and I'm like, okay, I'm waiting <laughs> to hear, I'm waiting to hear foam. I'm hoping to hear foam. That's what that look of hope is. It's hoping for foam. Yeah. And that's the, the last thing I think, you know, I think my next, my next progression is going to be just an increase in confidence mm-hmm. and, and just being like, oh, that was the right spot. I would say right now, 30% of my shots, and I usually would look at you and say, that felt good. You did a few times. Yep, a, a few, few times, times a day. I go, yep, I knew where that was. Like, I, I, that wasn't the shot I wanted. And the other times, and again, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing what you told me to do, which is hold the pin on there, you know, let it float, but you know, you're holding the pin on there, and you're just going to squeeze your scapula and let that thing go when it goes. And the fact is, it works. Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't always feel like the, <laughs> it doesn't always feel, just, there's, I haven't connected the the neurons in my brain to realize that if I did what I'm supposed to do, that thing's going to go where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And and occasionally I go, oh yeah, that one was like, oh yeah, that, that went, I could feel where it went and I just would be able to, like I'm not doing any, uh, like in the UFC, I'm not doing any walk off knockouts right now where I just get a knockout walk away like oh that's in the money I you know every one I'm going or most of them are going okay yes that's foam okay that's good (laughs) and I told you too there's times where even myself when my shot breaks I feel that confidence of okay that's great and then I'm surprised like oh okay I had a breakdown somewhere you know, I missed a few targets out here. Um, I remember, for sure, remember the bat, the woodchuck. Oh, and then I missed. Did I miss that? You missed uh, one where you were coaching. You you were you were talking about what you were doing. Oh, that's right. And and and, and you missed it. And it was pretty funny because you said, "Hey, you know, 
I miss. Sometimes, you know, it's no big deal. And I go, actually, bro, it is a big deal because we're all here freaking out. If you can't hit this thing, how the hell are we supposed to hit it? And it, was, it wasn't one of the hardest shots, you know. I, I, and I don't know. I forget what you said, why you missed it. The one that I remember was the – because I think you missed two shots. Yeah. Which one, that one, which you were trying to coach, so who knows what that does to you. But I've seen you hit about a million shots while you're talking and yeah. doing that as well. But And the other one was the wind on the um, on the woodchuck was you were leaning into the wind and then, like, yeah. the wind died. And you, you said you right as it broke, you just saw you're your, uh, going. Yeah, there was a constant wind from left to right. So when I drew back on this – on this rock chuck i was keeping my pin on this thing that was maybe three times wider than my pin at that distance and i'm like pushing just you know it's almost like you leaning against someone and someone's pushing you and i felt like okay i'm good my pin's still floating from like shoulder to shoulder so i'm foam's my friend it's not like i was thinking i needed a 12 ring and then just right as the shot was breaking, I felt the wind just let up, and I just saw my pin just, like, shooting left of that target. And I thought, yeah, that's there's nothing I can do about that. That thing's gone. <laughs> I had a similar one on that weird shot. It was a side hill shot. It was and, – and I – you know, so you teach, hey, you got to lean your – lean into the hill right yeah and then you as you start your draw sequence it's going to kind of go go uh, perpendicular and you'll be even for the shot yep and i i just exaggerated it and so i was like leaning way hard <laughs> and then as i drew back it just like flopped over the other way and it, luckily i still got foam but it was a horrible shot it was a horrible shot yeah and there was a few too where i thought i would overcomplicate it you know there was a few where i almost let the wind, because I could feel the wind. I knew there was an updraft. We were on that side hill. That remember, um, made a. It was definitely a terrible shot on that um, that Corsican ram. Yeah. On the very first day, because it was the first time we shot it. It was. It was in the eighties, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. In, I think it was eighty four. It, it could have been. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was. Well, I've got 80, so it's pro- it could have been, yeah, could have been right around 84. But um, the wind was coming up the valley really hard, and the way the target was faced was purposeful. I wanted it facing to the right because your margin of miss was, you know, because if, if it would have been facing the other way and you aimed at the 10 ring, you could have drifted with, you know, with those thermals that we would have had during the day. You could have drifted two feet right and still caught foam, but I turned it the other way so that if you missed, you only had eight inches. And so in my mind, I'm I'm knowing, okay, you turned it facing that way, so you only have eight inches on the right. So hold like, you know, I, I felt like I had just like leaned my top limb into the wind and kind of hold further off just so I didn't like barely catch it in the brisket. And then... When the shot broke, I thought, okay, that's exactly what I wanted to do. And the arrow hit exactly where I was aiming, which was in its guts. And I just thought, okay, that shot actually isn't as hard as I just made it in my mind. <laughs> Did I shoot that again? Yeah, you shot it. I don't I don't think you shot it again on the spot or no maybe you did. I think I did yeah, I think I, think I said did. I need to know if I overcomplicated this for myself and so then I just went straight up at it just like 
aimed at like the nine o'clock edge of the ten ring, and then it just went in there. And it's like, okay, I made this shot. I literally built the shot to trick someone, and I tricked myself with the shot. <laughs> yeah. What else? Food or. Did you, like, I haven't woke up, I've woke up every morning thinking, like, what are we going to eat today? Which is weird. I don't know if my body's just, like, in this mode now of you're going to put something awesome in your mouth today. It's just a matter of what. You know what? Now that I'm sitting here thinking about this from a little bit of a detached perspective, I think that this may be the greatest period of food that I've ever eaten in my life consecutively. (laughs) Seriously. could be for me too. Seriously, think about each day has been an epic meal, like a standalone. If you had that meal once a month, you'd be pumped. Oh yeah, right. But then you do that every day. Yeah, for five days. It's insane. Yeah, so it's freaking it's madness. But you're also like super strategic about the whole thing. Way more strategic <laughs> than I am. You know, you're like, oh, what time is this happening? Okay. Get the Traeger on at 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll get the meat seasoned by then. And and you're saying this is like two days from now. You know, you're like, yeah, on this day, we're going to shoot at this time. So that means we need to have the Traeger on by this time. And, and yeah, then we'll, we'll come back. We'll do a quick stop. We'll do a temperature check. We'll get the veggies ready. And then we'll roll out to shoot a few more targets. That'll give it time to, see, you know, you just got this whole plan dialed in. And what really freaked me out is we were in the middle of one of these epic meals and you started talking about the next epic meal. I'm like, bro, take it easy. Let's enjoy this one a little bit, man. So, and then you come down and throw together like lunch, which is kind of leftovers, which I'll tell you for me to have leftovers. So normally if there's meat, I'm eating it. And then yeah. with my nephew here, that kid oh, is dude. just getting, getting after it in <laughs> yeah. a big way. So there's been, but that's how much food we've had is that there's leftover food, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, but then you throw those leftover, quote, leftover food and leftovers has obviously a bad connotation, but man. When you're uh, cooking four tri-tips, <laughs> like leftovers is, is pre-planning. Oh, that's like man. pre-planned meals. I actually, um, I've, the one that I've been thinking about pretty regularly was that pasta dish that Tori made Yeah, because I'm not a pasta person. Me neither. Like I'm not going to go out. Normally if Sharon wants to make something Italian, I'll just say like make that whole thing, but just dump it on my plate Mm -hmm. and I'll just like eat all the sauce and everything like that just without the, without the noodles. But that was freaking awesome, but then yeah, and that was from a from a pig that Josh shot. Yeah, and it was good. But they had that; <clears throat> they did an elk chorizo starter, and that was insane. That was good. That was freaking delicious. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine having that and like a big bag of Fritos. Like <laughs> she she doesn't like she's like reading the label of every beverage and every single thing I've made but when I was eating that it was like a elk chorizo sausage in this like some kind of cheese some kind of like Mexican cheese situation that she (laughs) whipped together it wasn't like dumping chili mac on a Velveeta (laughs) stick and putting in your crock pot it was not that but I can guarantee you if there would have been 
a family size bag of like Fritos, I could have laced the side of that thing open with with my freaking chef knife oh, and just yeah. dumped that whole pan in there and just oh. went into a freaking <laughs> yeah. food coma somewhere. That would have been legit. I like to, I don't, like I've, I only had, I had lunch the, the the one day that you came and threw it together. But, you know, I know I a lot of times, and he, especially here, like when I know I'm going to be out walking, I don't want to eat breakfast. I don't want to have like food in my gut when I'm walking around the mountain. Yeah. I'd rather just come home, eat at night. And it just, for me, that's better. Um, and that's why, I mean, when you you came down and cooked breakfast one day, and it looked like a great breakfast, but I didn't even eat anything, because number one, the night before, I ate nine pounds of freaking <laughs> ribs and whatever that other thing that you made. What the hell was that? <laughs> what was it? The bavettes? Yeah. Which is what? A flank steak, yeah. basically? Mm-hmm. So it was a flank steak. That thing was just ridiculous. It yeah, was it was ridiculous. I was kind of making some bavettes. And a saw. I was doing a reverse coffee sear, and then with like a sauce on it. And it was more like I was slicing them, kind of feeling like everyone was just gonna pick through. The thing is, I I cooked four of them, so it's not like it literally could have fed us just that. And meanwhile, while you're just horsing those down like one arm at a time, <laughs> there was. At least what ten, 10 pounds, pounds? <laughs> of, beef, of, of beef ribs? Yeah, Fred Flintstone beef ribs just out there. <laughs> and when I brought those in and sliced one of those and ha- handed it to you, you kind of had the face like I'm gonna destroy this. But then <laughs> you yeah. totally tapped out on I that. Totally one. tapped out. And I, yeah, that was a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I I took a, a one rib and I probably ate half of it and the. I had, I didn't even, for the next day, I didn't even finish the whole other piece. That's how freaking savage that thing was. It was massive. If Thor was here, we probably could have put a pretty harsh dent on yeah. quote-unquote leftovers. Yeah, he would have He would have eliminated a lot of leftover situations. <laughs> he would have been getting full bore just into it. And that's, that's the, the he's like full into Traeger, you know, he just. That's so rad. It is, know. it's awesome, because he can, he just will fire that thing up and throw throw the meat on there and he reverse sears and he just does the whole deal you know he just watches your instagram and watches what you do and you know just gets on it it's legit yeah it's well it's pretty awesome he's probably knows he has to fend for himself freaking between you putting on horror masks and freaking <laughs> kicking boots down the sky. And if you knew Helen, you would know just how ruthless <laughs> That's just and freaking <laughs> straight-up heartless that was. Yeah, that that poor girl does not deserve to be married to a <laughs> freaking gorilla. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm envisioning if I would have done that to Sharon, <laughs> I'll guarantee you to this day I would still be paying like I would still be hearing that story and she would have like told everybody here like how much of an a-hole I was and about doing that to her so yeah well, both time. of our wives are like <laughs> I had this uh I had this like old bike helmet that was it was an old it was an old skydiving helmet and I had like cut it all these ventilation things in it with like a saw. So it would be so, cause you had to wear a helmet. That's what it was. You had to wear a helmet to ride a bike on the Navy base. And like, I didn't want to wear a helmet. So I took this old black pro tech helmet that I used for skydiving and I like cut it. So it was just like a bunch of holes, but it kind of looked, it kind of looked pretty, 
badass like a Darth Vader situation. <laughs> but, so one day I, I came home and I could see, and we, my wife and I lived in this little apartment and I saw her up there like, you know, kind of walking around and I said, and I had, and I biked home and so I had that helmet and I had a black hoodie on, like I've always worn a hoodie. So I put that helmet over my face and pulled the hoodie up. I looked like freaking, like the most sinister evil thing. And I just rolled, and I rolled into the house and she, it was, it's California. So like the screen door, everything was open and she was just in there and she walked, I was watching, it was nighttime. And so I could see in the window on the, you know, there's a little patio. You walk up to the second floor apartment, there's a little patio and I'm looking in and I can see her in the kitchen. She can't see me and I know she can't see me because the lights are off. So then I see her walk into the bedroom and when she walks in the bedroom, I just walk in the house and I follow her into the bedroom. She turned around and bro, she was so freaking horrified. And and once again, like as soon as I saw her face, I started trying to apologize. But it was but it was still so fun. It was fun. Yeah. Oh dang. Man. Yeah. You, uh, that would have been hard. <laughs> I think you and I growing up together, like some of that stuff I've kind of, honestly, I would still be doing it if there's a few times I scared Sharon too, to where she has heart palpitations. And there was a few <laughs> times where I, I scared her. I can't remember what I did, but there was a few times where I snuck in on her because sometimes well, I was even doing it. I don't even know if you noticed, but I was, like, practicing to see how quiet I could walk on I your thing when I came out of the bathroom. Yeah. I, like, went and took a dump, and then I'm just, like, <laughs> I need to see if I if I had to, like, roll up on someone. Is there any, like, squeaks in this floor? So I was kind of, like, you know, just walking on the sides of my, my feet. And I think I did that in the house one time. I knew Sharon was somewhere, and I thought, I'm going to see if I can dodge every, like, little loose screw on our floor and get in there and just be like, hey! And... I did it, and, like, right when I did it, the look on her face, I realized, like, I might kill this girl. And she, like, kind of falls down. She's, like, holding her pulse, and I, like, I kind of, like, grabbed her neck and just kind of, like, felt. And, I mean, her, her heart almost, like, blew up. You know, and I and I realized like I can't do this shit anymore to her because like her heart cannot take it. Oh, yeah, it's it's really fun though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing, you know. I try to explain to people. It's it's actually a lesson that I teach people is if you if I said to you, "Hey, Dud, I'm going to go in this house," uh, or you go in the house, or I'm going to try and scare you, or you walk in this house and I'm going to be waiting to scare you. There's no, it's almost impossible for me to scare you. Yeah. You know, it's almost impossible. So if you think about your mindset, the different, now, if you just can't think if I randomly scared you, bro, yeah. think if you just rolled into your house and I was had that free evil <laughs> mask on and jumped out, like you would be scared. I would, I would be scared. Right. So you, but if you think about your mindset of going into a situation that you don't know what is going to happen, you are not even close. If you just are aware that something is going to happen, you're thousand times more ready to deal with it mm-hmm. than if if you don't know it's going to happen. So, like in a leadership thing, if if I if I know you're like a bad employee or you have a bad temper or whatever, and I just roll in there thinking, "Hey, I'm going to go tell you that you know you need to I'm I'm going to dock your pay because you did whatever." If I don't think about the fact that you're going to get blow blow up at me and start yelling and screaming. 
if I don't think about that, it's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. If I think about it, then I can go in there. First of all, I can think about the approach and I can think about what I'm actually going to say to yeah. you and do it at the right time. Yeah. So I can set it up correctly. But just thinking about what you're going to do before you have to do it is makes you thousand times re- more ready and yeah. your response will be that much better than if you have to do something for the first time at spur of the moment you get surprised by something. Yeah. Well, and that same that same mentality is why people have problems with archery and shooting certain animals because, you know, sometimes when a noise goes off, that animal is, like, so at ease that it's literally just, like, you know, it's just drawing itself up because it's, like, coming around the corner and seeing that freaking mask, you know, standing in your bedroom. Like, you know, they they freak out. So sometimes when you're in situations, people ask me all the time, you know, how far will I shoot something? If there's an animal that's just 100% just, like, there isn't other sounds going on and things like that, and it's kind of coming out real quiet, and you can tell when it's looking around, like... It, it's a fr- it's going to be afraid of if something you know pounces on it those types of shots are really low percentage because just they're so fast twitch you know whereas when there's times where you know there's like a woodpecker freaking hitting on something and you know the deer kind of like looks around and it's just like oh that's that woodpecker or there's a squirrel like bouncing around like scratching in the leaves and stuff and buried nuts when that stuff's happening like you can take a further shot and they just you know they're kind of like oh there's another sound and they try to look to where the sound came from versus like jumping through their own skin but it takes experience to kind of know the demeanor but yeah i mean i can tell you right now if you know if i if i was trying to make an an ethical shot on someone that had the demeanor of sharon you know i <laughs> making a surprise types you know she's gonna be freaking lit to be to freak out at any given time so she would like be like 30 yards or less otherwise like she's gonna fall on the ground and you know be trying to grab her pulse or whatever so some animals are just like and honestly your bull elk that sucker was i mean we could have hit a baseball bat against the tree and I don't think he would have budged. He was just on fire. Because, yeah, I mean, all those other bulls were in there coming, and it's not like he was all by himself just kind of strolling through where you doing anything would have been a surprise to him because he thought he was by himself. It was was that, that, that hillside from where we made your shot up until, what, maybe 150 yards maybe? So, like, I'm talking a 150-yard little basin. It was as it was much may- of an elk mayhem. mayhem as you could imagine because there was probably two or three satellite bulls that were smaller, but there were two herd bulls with their cows trying to, like, make it to that same, like, I don't know if it was that big trail where all that timber was blown down so hard, and you could tell where they had to navigate, like, a certain path you know certain paths and they were both trying to like get their ladies there and they met at the same time at the same time and i just told you i'm like okay this is 
getting getting honestly it was harder to see the shop because of how much dust was in the air from just and the dust was being illuminated by the sun sun coming down right behind yeah you know that other i don't know if you remember this but there was another like shop that we were looking to take in that little valley and it was mayhem in there too Oh, are you talking that deep ravine, yes, the deep that ravine. morning hunt? Yes, yes. That was another one where I was going, dang, this is crazy. I That was probably the most, like, amped up and fun. Like, I thought I thought we were going to have some major stuff go down, like, right in front of us. And I thought it was going to be – that was the one time where I'm like, I know we're going to have a shot, like, right here in the fact that – there was that much going on and not a single thing ever came in that one lane where we set up i'm like you know you're gonna freaking have a 25 yard shot right to this spot and it seemed like everything moved around everywhere but there but that was a cool morning yeah Yeah. was it that night that you shot then so that was like a freaking crazy day it was a crazy day and even the very first like encounter i had which was i might have been an hour after we walked out the solo bedded bull that we and, and he like was by he was raking a tree yeah and then he ended up turning right at us yep i wasn't you know you want to talk about being surprised and not ready that was me right there <laughs> i was like wait a second i'm not ready for this shot right here yeah one bull just bugling on his own and we were able to to walk in and he, at first he was bedded because i think i glassed him bedded yep. right yep. and he was just kind of bugling in his bed and then we I think we covered a lot of ground and we ended up coming all the way back because he was like the one. Yeah. And then we by the time we got back to him and had the wind right, he was standing up and just like prepping to go beat some ass all night long and he was just like getting himself like all lathered up. You know, he was like doing his kettlebell swings and his mobility <laughs> stretches because he was just trashing this tree and like Yeah, like he, he started out with like short strokes, but by the time we like rolled up to him at like 42 yards, he was freaking long stroking that big pine tree just freaking getting that whole head just freaking loosened up. That thing was going insane. <laughs> yeah, that's another Another, that's you know I talked about your mode when you're when you basically when you knock an arrow but when you're on that when you're when you're moving when you when I was following you moving to targets or moving towards elk man you go in another mode that's really cool too you're just like so focused and you know just like you're you're looking at me you like look back at me and I I you didn't have to say anything I'd be like okay this dude wants me to get right over here right now <laughs> I'm like okay you know it's a really cool um you know, just a just a one more as like one more mode that I notice that you have, which is, hey, we got to move over here. You know, stay close to me, stay behind this. You know, don't make noise. You know, you give you give me one look, and I know. We give me one look, and I know. Don't make any noise. Stay close. Stay in the dead space and knock a freaking arrow. <laughs> that's what that's what you tell me with one look back at me. So that's what's so fun about uh, working with team guys too is because I naturally get into those types of, like, you know, mindsets just when you know it's game time. Mm -hmm. You know there's, like, not time for mistake. Things are going to unfold really quick, and you just have to be reactive, Mm -hmm. you know, prepared but reactive. And you guys totally get it. Like, even Andy, the first time Andy and I went out, I mean, this isn't even something that's that's likely, but we had – elk tags and mule deer tags and bear tags but the bear tags 
during that time of the year are only spot in stock, but for 250 bucks or whatever they are, it's worth having them. Mm-hmm. So we're going and all of a sudden I see this black bear, like right at the bottom of this, we're kind of on an old logging. It wasn't really a log. It was like a, it was almost like a quad trail that people who just quadded on like on public land mm-hmm. it's almost like they use the same one so we were just utilizing where those those tire tracks had like already broke brush and laid the grass flat to where i could see how we were walking because there was three of us and so i'm just kind of following the, these quad tracks through this like wilderness and all of a sudden i see this black bear at like 60 yards and i told andy i go hey let's uh I go get an arrow on and he's just, I mean, like no questions. He's just like, you know, I turn around. He's already, he like, it, I didn't have to say it twice. He was a hundred percent ready and he's just like on my heels and we went up and honestly there were three bears, like almost like they were just doing like two minute drills on the jits mats. <laughs> they were freaking just like two would be freaking going at it and then like whichever one like rolled out the other one would like jump on him and so i kind of me and the guide both looked at each other like is this a sow and cub? you know he's like is that a sow and some cubs and i was i'm like bro they're all 300 pounds like they're they're not and and we were mentally trying to figure out how in the heck we stumbled upon three grown boars that were all freaking like met up Mm -hmm. and we're having this like bear fight and so they ended up like somehow scattering apart and andy took like i didn't even say you know shoot but andy just like ripped one off (laughs) and it never hit anything but it sounded like one of those arrows up there where it was like you know through the deal and i like looked back at him and he you know he was just like he's like you know thought i'd try and i was just like okay and i think i said something like hey don't like just rip one off if they're like you know jogging like scattering apart and what's crazy is the sound of his arrow like freaking battering through the timber that the biggest one all of a sudden like I see him like come peeking around and he's like got this real curious look on his face like well like us two when we heard that weird sound down outside your garage when you're doing pull-ups and we both kind of said well that was odd and we both went out of the garage like looking around like what's going on that's what this bear did and it ended up I saw it with this look on its face and I knew that thing's curious and wants to know what that is. It's going to come back. So I told him I go load another one. So he loads another one and that sucker just starts coming. And then he kind of saw these two like figures standing on this thing. And you know, we were head to toe and subalpine hadn't, he really didn't have any idea what we were. So he just rolls straight up at us and he's just coming straight at us. And I just looked at Andy and I'm like, put one right in his chest and he's just like all right and he ended up shooting his first bear like right in the chest like 15 yards just freaking smokes him in the chest and i mean he was just like yeah that was cool i mean and i told him (laughs) like dude that was a crazy experience but he was just like he was so acclimated to that stuff he really it never like really soaked in of 
most hunters, one would have shit their pants. Yeah. You know, because they wouldn't have just looked at, like, they wouldn't have been so hyper-focused on just making the shot. They would have, like, holy crap, there's three bears. If three bears all attack us, we're screwed. You know, he was 100% detached from all that. It was just like, I'm going to, you know, whichever one of these he says smoke i'm just gonna smoke it and he totally went into that mode and freaking mission accomplished yeah. it was pretty awesome Andy has a good mechanism of just like he's gonna do what he's gonna do you know <laughs> like he just and he's gonna tell you what he's gonna do and he's gonna tell you what he just did and yep. he's good with it yeah you know oh, yeah. he's got that mode of you know you know, he was telling me some story about some some hunt that he did, and he was just like, "Oh yeah, I put another arrow, and I walked and put another arrow." He, he's just he's just gonna do what he's gonna do, and he's good with it, you know, which is awesome. Yeah, there's that actually kind of plays into. Um, I feel like at some point I need to do a podcast of like the for new bow hunters or new I don't know just people getting into archery or this hunting community. There's almost like these untold like codes of ethic that if you've never been here, you don't really know. Like there's certain things, I don't know, like, like if I rolled into a karate dojo and just walked out there with my shoes, Mm -hmm. it's not like I've, it's not, you know, it's just, that's, that's something that's not like appropriate. Right. And chances are there's not like a sign that says no shoes on the mat. You just, you you know you it's just known and understood if you know anything but if you don't know anything then you walk in there i've had that happen in my place you know some people someone will come in and be like oh i'd like to try this out walk out on the mat you go hey man there's no shoes on the mat you know yeah so that's a good example and there's you know there's things in this it's not like it it's not like it's um life or death but it's also there's like untold courtesies so like for example one of them is um you know if you if you go on like an outfitted hunt tipping a guide you know i've taken people where they they never asked and honestly it was like the outfitter that came up to me and said hey you know was the guide not right because he never got a tip type thing And, and then you have to go back and be like hey you know as a courtesy this dude's working for you for x amount of time and like you know on andy's first hunt it was the same way i told him i said hey uh you know they're kind of asking i forgot to tell you but you know, just kind of whenever you do a hunt, factor in, like, this dude's, yeah, he's getting paid some by the outfitter, but especially the more he does for you or the harder he works for you, he is doing it for a tip, just like a waiter that's doing a freaking great job. And when your drink's three-quarters of the way down, he's there without you having to ask. Like, it's the same sort of thing. So I told him about tipping. And, you know, honestly, the other thing is um, this plays in – it's actually the same uh, – the same guide for Andy but like most good guides once something hits the ground like Mort like Mort would have totally taken care of your whole elk but I really I love that part of it mm-hmm. so I you know Mort knows he's like am I helping or am, are you doing this right and I and I said no I'd like to show Jocko how to do this mm-hmm. because that's the other thing like if you drop something it's Another untold courtesy of even if you have a guide and it's fully outfitted, you don't just, like, dump this thing on the ground and then bail out on your guide. Even if he says, like, we'll get out, of, get it out of here, you should still, you know, you should still help, you know. <laughs> and so it seems like it's stuff that you shouldn't have to say, but it, honestly, for people who don't know, you know, they, they just – 
they have no idea. So yeah, you you kind of have to you have to have these types of courtesies, and one of them is like especially if your guide is going to be the one like gutting that thing and taking taking it like pretty much breaking it all down. You don't want an, a freaking full blown mess. <laughs> so like yeah, Andy's elk, you know, he was just like he he shot it. And, you know, it was kind of like, it was a lethal hit, but it was more of like a bleed out hit. But then he's still like, he's like, I got arrows in my quiver. I'm just cacking more off. So he was like, just dropping pin, you know, like pin cushion in this thing. And then he's just like, you know, and the thing's like trying to die, you know, but obviously the more it gets stuck, it's getting like amped up. So like adrenaline's keeping it alive. So he's like, Oh, you want another one? And I like heard, I heard on camera his guides like kind of yell out. No. Cause like, you know, he's thinking I'm already having to work around like four arrow holes in this thing, you know, like trying to like salvage meat and like not have freaking <laughs> vile everywhere and everything. And so I had to kind of pull into the side and be like, dude i know you like shooting <laughs> but like once like once you know you've got the shot where it's going down like don't just keep ripping like it's not it's not two to the head and one of the chest or whatever you guys used to roll out with like you gotta kind of gotta tone it back a little bit some people thought you were going full savage mode <laughs> oh that's awesome that's andy bro <laughs> that's so awesome he tells he told me that story. You're just full on, like, yeah, this is what I did. This is what I was doing. I'm like, well, I'll t I'll, so I'll tell you another one. Like this, you know, and a lot of it has to come down to, you know, just like greed, like greed of fun, because hunting's fun. So Andy and I did this hog hunt together, and we had a bunch of our friends. I'm not sure if like Torson was there and Evan, but there was a bunch of us, and we were on uh, this place that I had in Oklahoma. And we went down there, and, and there's wild hogs. Like, there's packs of hogs on this place. And if you cruise, you know, if, if you, sh like, if you find a p these, like, big packs of hogs, if you kind of pick a few out of the pack without, like, creating total mayhem, then there's going to be more, like, the, you're going to get more another chance and stuff like that. So we're all there for, for four hunts. And most guys were, like, hunting some in the morning and then heading back to camp and kind of chilling. So Andy asked me, uh, hey, what do you want to do? And I go, oh, we're going to, I just want to make sure that's rocking. Oh, yeah, we're good. Uh, I said, hey, let's, uh, let's just freaking roll out on bikes. And I'm like, everybody's cruising with buggies and everything and i said that you know these hogs antennas major they might be up just for the fact that they've like heard more trucks people have been driving around to see like where their spot is that they're going in the morning and i said so sometimes them just hearing that accelerated movement mm -hmm. with vehicles the smart ones are probably like i hear that coming i'm just gonna duck out you know duck down they they're not necessarily leaving but they're just laying low so i said let's just freaking roll full stealth mode mid-morning when no one's like moving and so we just freaking went out on bikes and all of a sudden sure enough we freaking roll up on this big pack of hogs just out rooting around in this grass like 
like there's not another person in the world. And so we roll up and, uh, you know, we sneak into one. Andy freaking drops a bomb. Nothing. And that thing just like runs over, piles up. And then he's like reloading. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's cool. Like reload. And he's like freaking drops another one. And then he's like reloading and like shit's starting to like try to figure out what's going on. And then like he launches another one and then like the pack kind of like scatters off but it doesn't like bail out because it still doesn't you know it's not like we're cacking off you know rounds with a gun and so he's like got two arrows left in the quiver he's freaking you know reloaded he's got one left in the quiver and like he's obviously focused on we're gonna run these suckers down and i had to kind of pull back on his shirt and i just said the courteous thing to do is not kill every hog here when there's like six dudes back at camp that haven't even got a shot yet. And he's just like, really? Why? (laughs) And I'm just like, well, just because everybody wants to like do what you just did, you're going to roll in with three hogs. And not to mention we had done the same thing the night before. So between, well, between me and Andy, I think we were already six hogs deep, like, 18 hours into camp and no one else had even had a shot wow so i'm like dude half the freezers like got hogs hanging in it by now and no one else has had a shot and i told him like people are gonna think that i'm just like rolling you around to these secret hideouts that (laughs) that i'm not telling anyone else about and so i had to tell him like dude you gotta you gotta pull it back when there's other guys in camp that are having no fun like you can't which for andy he was more along the mindset of no i want to have like twice as fun so that it like so it rubs them harder type thing you know that was he's like i want him to not you know i want him to like know how much fun we're having and just like keep stacking to the point where these guys like if they don't see anything they're just going to be pissed and i'm just like well it's kind of one of those untold codes you know <laughs> yeah like i said and he's got that mind dude. he's gonna do what he's gonna do and, that, and he's gonna tell you about it he's gonna have fun with it bro he's hilarious it yeah yeah well we missed him this weekend too he had some stuff going on so but uh i'm Next sure year. yeah i'm sure we'll see him well all right bro you've got oh, 60 days yep dang Something like that i think Tomorrow is 60 days from, (laughs) yeah, like 60 days from tomorrow, you're freaking, me and you are back on the mountain picking up. Yep. Right, right where we left off, just hopefully like four foot higher to the right. Let's get it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bro. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yep. See everybody. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.